ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله عليه وعلى اله وسلم تسليما كثيرا اما بعد تفسير وكنتينيوينغ اون ويت Um, the hadith of Umm Zara' that is narrated by Al-Bukhari Muslim Fi Al-Sahihin <coughs> and we're going to pick up insha'Allah where we left off last time and we're going to start with what the 11th woman said about her husband and she is Umm Zara' she is the one whom the hadith is named after So she said Zawji Abu Zarin My husband is Abu Zara Fama Abu Zara So what is Abu Zara? This is again the same style that we have spoken about in the previous session where a person speaking according to the style of Arabic speech will attempt to emphasize and magnify the affair of that which he's speaking about by mentioning it and then saying, and what knowledge have you of such and such, repeating the same words. She said, my husband is Abu Zara, and what knowledge have you of Abu Zara? He has caused my ears to move from jewelry. Uh, anasa means he caused them to move and the nose is a specific type of movement as the scholars mention it is when anything hanging moves it is called a nose so basically she's saying that he has gifted her with jewelry and this jewelry was so heavy that it has caused her ears to move in some of the narrations that Al-Hasab mentioned in the fact She also mentioned that he gave her other jewelry using the word faraiya, and the scholars differed regarding what exactly that meant. Some of them said that he gifted her with jewelry to wear around her neck and that which she wears around her wrists, and some mentioned that which she wears around her ankles as in anklets and the like. And then she said, And he filled my arms, specifically is the upper arm, with, with fat, meaning I have gotten fat with him. So she is saying that not only did he gift her with jewelry, but also he has provided for her plenty such that she gained weight. And she became comfortable and she fattened. And the people of knowledge mentioned specifically that she mentioned her upper arms because this is the first thing that a person would notice as regards weight, as they are usually uh, exposed and usually visible. <clears throat> also, another thing that can be mentioned here <clears throat> is that this may be a sign and indication of the fact that she does not have to labor and work hard at home. 
meaning that he has provided her with service, with servants, with maid servants and the like, in order to reduce the burden of work upon her. And there is more in the narration we shall see that indicates this particular meaning. And also this is sometimes the last part of the body to gain weight after everything else has gained weight, meaning she has filled out because of what he has been providing for her. She says, And he has glorified or magnified or deemed me or treated me great until I started thinking that I was great. She is speaking about her treatment of her and how he viewed her and how he convinced her that she was until she was herself convinced she was as great as she was in his eyes. وَجَدَنِي فِي أَهْلِ غُنَيْمَةٍ بِشِقْقُ In another narration, He found me in a people who had sheep. In shik or shak. Shik is a reference to a place, and likewise shak, according to some of the people of Mount. Some of them said no. Shak with the fat is a reference to the side of a mountain, meaning they were so few, these people that she is from, that they could all sit and live on the side of a mountain. <clears throat> they were not a great tribe or a big number of people. Some of the people of now said shit with the kasir is actually in reference to the difficulty that they were living in and the hardship that they were enduring. And the fact that she said Ghunayma versus Ghanam is also an indication of the difficulty and the meager means that they had. Because Ghunayma is a reference to the fact that the sheep that they had were very few. So she's saying he found me in the people who didn't have much, people who were in difficulty, people who were in such and such a place. فَجَعَلَنِي فِي أَهْلِ صَهِيلٍ وَأَطِيطٍ وَدَائِسٍ وَمُنَقٍ So he took me and placed me among the people of Sahil. Sahil is the sound of the horse. When horses make that sound, the neighing, it is called Sahil. الْأَطِيط is the squeaking noise that is made by the particular type of straps and uh, different gear that is strapped on top of a camel for it to be uh, ridden or used to move cargo. So those things that are strapped on the back of a camel, they make a squeaking noise. So she's referring to these two noises meaning he placed me among a people, meaning his own people, who have many horses and many camels. So these were the normal sounds that she heard. وَدَائِسٍ وَمُنَقٍ Da'is is the person who steps, and what she means here is that he had people stepping on the crops of grains that were to be taken from his land, and this is part of the process of Preparing those grains for use and for sale. 
is a person who is using different types of devices in attempt to purify those grains and remove uh, things from them that are not useful and not to be sold. So in other words, he's a man who has <coughs> cattle and riding animals. Likewise, he has crops and he has land, meaning he is rich. So she's praising her husband for his wealth. <coughs> she said, فَإِنَّهُ أَقُولُ فَلَا أُقَبَّحُ So with him, I speak, فَلَا أُقَبَّحُ And I'm never made to <coughs> feel that what I've said is rejected or unacceptable or silly or the like. Meaning she can speak freely, speak her mind with Abu Zarr, and she will never feel that whatever she said is rejected. And I sleep until the morning, meaning when the sun has risen, risen high. This is indeed a reference to the same point we had previously mentioned that he has sufficed the service because it was not common for a woman to sleep that long when she had family and children and so on and so forth because people needed to get a head start on the day. So a woman would have to wake up very early and take care of certain chores and get things ready for the family to start their day. So the fact that she can sleep in and sleep in late until the sun has risen high while other people need to get, get things done means that she has service being provided for her. She has servants taking care of things so that she does not have to rush and worry about things being taken care of because they're already being taken care of for her. She says, and I drink until the point that I'm drinking by force, meaning that I don't drink just to quench my thirst, but I drink even in excess beyond that. She's referring to the plentifulness that her husband is putting her in and how there is plenty milk, plenty things to drink. So there is no fear of thirst with him as there may be fear of thirst where she first began, uh, where he found her with her family. And then she said, Ummu Abi Zar'in Fama Ummu Abi Zar. The mother of Abu Zar. And what knowledge have you of the mother of Abu Zar? Now she's talking about her in law. <coughs> she said, Rukumuha Radah. Her vessels are large and humongous. She's talking about the vessel of her mother in law that she puts her belongings in, like containers and the like. And she's saying they're very large, meaning she's a woman of wealth as well. And she's someone who has a great deal of belonging and uh, she needs all these different types of vessels and containers to place her belongings in. So, in other words, she is praising the wealth of the family and the fact that they have many belongings. And then she mentioned the second trait, that her house is vast, is large. The house of her mother-in-law is very large. And then she said, Ibn Abi Zar'in Samabnu Abi Zar. The son of Abu Zar. And what is the son of Abu Zar? Here the scholars mentioned that this is 
his son from other than her. And usually, Al-Hafiz ibn Hajar mentioned, usually, a woman will find it difficult to stomach the son of a husband from other than her, such that she may find it tiring to serve him or that he's with her or so on and so forth. But in this particular case, she's actually praising the son of Abu Zar. So she said, His sleep is like the taking of a sword out of its scabbard, meaning the amount of time he sleeps is very brief. It takes as long as it takes to kick a sword out of its scabbard. In other words, he sleeps very little. Hafiz ibn Hajar, this is the interpretation that he uh, mentioned. And this means that if he was to visit her, for example, and he was to take a nap in her place, that he would stay there for such a brief amount of time, it would cause her no grief, cause her no difficulty, and not be a burden whatsoever. And he would be satiated by eating the arm of a small goat or the like. Al-Jafra is the small goat or the like, meaning he does not eat a great amount of food. A very small amount of food would be sufficient to satiate him. And then she said, Bintu Abi Zar'in Sama Bintu Abi Zar'. The daughter of Abu Zar'. And what knowledge have you of the daughter of Abu Zar'? Obedient to her father, obedient to her mother. She's describing this daughter that she is forthcoming with obedience. And that whatever they direct her to and guide her to, she immediately complies. And she is the fill of her kisa. The kisa is a type of garment that is worn. She is the fill of her garment, meaning she is also in good health, in good shape, and she has a full body, she has filled her clothing, meaning she is also well provided for by Abu Zarah. And she is the cause of envy or jealousy or or hatred to her neighbor, meaning from the good life that she is enjoying and the envy that her neighbor is experiencing. Some of the people of knowledge have mentioned that there is a narration <coughs> that she is actually the ghayr of barratiha. Or that this is an interpretation of the meaning of her neighbor. Yani that she has a co-wife. This daughter of Abu Zarq, she has a co-wife. And her beauty and her fullness is the reason for the envy and jealousy of her co-wife. Then she said, Daria to Abu Zarq, the maid servant of Abu Zarq. And what? Knowledge have you of the maid servant of Abu Zarq. 
this is a reference to <coughs> the the female slave that Abu Zawa had at home, which is going to speak about her and praise her as well. She said, لا تبثوا حديثنا تبثيثا She does not go and spread about our speech in spreading, meaning that this maid is keen on preserving the family and concern for them. And whatever she overhears of their discussions and the secrets of the household and whatever may happen behind closed doors, she does not go about and spread that and make it public knowledge and uh, cause people to become aware of what is happening in their home. Continuing with describing this maid service, she said, and she does not our mira, meaning our food. Atanqis is to take away from their mira, from their food, from their grains and the like, with theft, with stealing, betraying them in it. In other words, she's not doing that. And then she said, وَلَا تَمْلَأُ بَيْتَنَا تَعْشِيشًا And she does not fill our house with garbage or junk or the like. In other words, she is to be trusted with regards to our secrets, trusted with regards to our belongings, and likewise, she is keen on maintaining our house in good condition, good service, and cleanliness. And then she said, خَرَجَ أَوُ وَالْأَوْطَابُ تُمْخَبُ Abu Zara left, meaning one day, when Al-Awtab, and the Awtab is the plural of Wat, and it is the vessel in which the milk is collected. They were being shaken, in other words, to collect um, the butter and the like from the milk. So this is the time of plentifulness. And this is the time of um, spring when there was a lot of um, rain falling and the ground was lush and the cattle was eating well and so the milk was plenty, and so people were collecting um, the butter from the milk. So she's talking about the general state of plentifulness of that particular time when Abu Zawa went out. And then she mentioned, <clears throat> he saw a woman, he met a woman who had along with her two children of hers, the like of leopards. <clears throat> In one of the narrations, it is mentioned that she was a young woman, this woman that Abu Zawr met. And the fact that she described her two children as the like of leopard, meaning in their vigor and in their strength and how they seem to be uh, particularly precocious in their development. And this is something that men look for when they notice that a woman gives birth to handsome 
and well-developed children, then this is a reason for a man to seek to marry such a woman because he would hope for his progeny from her to be the like. She's talking now about the fitna that this woman called for Abu Zara. <clears throat> she described her two children that they were like of the leopards and then she said, And they were playing from underneath her khasr, her waist, with two pomegranates. Some of the people of knowledge have taken this literally, meaning that she was laying down on her back, and the way she was laying down caused there to be a gap between the ground, between the floor, and the small of her back. And so these two kids were passing to each other a pomegranate, or two pomegranates rather, under her back. And this is a description in reality, of this woman's form and shape. Others from among the people of knowledge were saying that this is actually an analogy where the woman was neither lying down nor were they actually playing with pomegranates. Rather, she was talking about this woman's chest and how her children were touching her chest. And she likened her chest to pomegranates meaning that she's young and virile, healthy, and so on. And so this caused the fitna for Abu Zara. So she said, so he divorced me and married her. Now it is unknown in this narration whether Abu Zara had other wives along with Um Zara at the same time. And so he freed a slot by divorcing her for lack of a better expression, and then married this woman, or if Um Zara was the only woman that was with him at the time, and he divorced her and married this woman. But the end result is that this man caused the fitna, uh, this woman caused the fitna for Abu Zara, so he divorced Um Zara and married this woman. Um Zara then said, "Sanakhtu baadhu rajulan sariya." So I. Married after him a man who is a seri, meaning from the who's who of the society, a man of great status amongst his people, both in his beauty, his image, and um, some of the people of knowledge have said, rather this is a reference to his generosity. He rode a shari, meaning a horse that was from the most noble of horses, the quickest and most beautiful. And he took with him a khatti. The khatti is a type of spear that is affiliated to an area of the um, Arabian Peninsula near Al Bahrain, and that area is called Al Khat. And this is where those types of spears are attributed to. So she's describing the, the beauty of the man and his goodly image, 
his generosity and the fact that he's riding such a fancy horse and taking with him this type of particular spear. She's describing his courage as well when he goes out. <coughs> and then she said, وَأَرَاهَ And he, at the time of Arawah, meaning the time of the end of the day, would bring her na'am. Na'am is plural uh, for the cattle and the animals that are taken up to graze by day and then they're brought back at the time of Arawah. So he would come back and with him there would be these cattle. All this is a reference to the fact that he went out to war and came back with booty. And part of the booty were these these animals that he brought with him. And so he brought with him wealth after gaining the booty at war. She said, and he brought with him to me na'aman sariya, meaning many, plenty of these animals, such as camels and the like, as the people of knowledge have mentioned. She said, وَأَعْطَانِ مِنْ كُلِّ رَائِحَةٍ And he gave me of every type a couple. So, for example, two camels, two cows, two sheep, and so on and so forth. Meaning, he gave her a good bit of wealth. And he said to me, كُلِّ أُمَّ زَرْعٍ وَمِرِي أَهْلَكِ it could also mean that he gave her a couple of everything, not just these uh, animals, but everything that a man would normally give to his family. He gave her two of each. And he said to her, Kuli um zar'in wa miri ahlaki, eat or um zar' and gift your family and grant your family, provide for your family. So he's not just being generous with her, this new husband, but he's also being generous with her family and he welcomes and invites her to spend from his wealth upon her family. This is an extreme form of a man's generosity. And then she said, So if I went, she said, and I gathered everything this man gave me, it would not compare to the smallest vessel or container of Abu Zar. So this is a reference to the fact that in her eyes, whatever she got from her second husband does not compare to the smallest thing that she got from Abu Zar, who she still remembered fondly. Now, this completes the hadith and we want to touch upon a couple of its benefits and some of the points that a Muslim can derive from it. One of the first things that we can mention is that men and women in marriage have a variety of situations going on between them. Some marriages are happy and tranquil and some are filled with turmoil, instability, problems. Some marriages have one partner that is happy and satisfied and one partner that is not 
sometimes both are not, and sometimes both are happy and satisfied. In the situation of these women that were criticizing their husbands is a testimony to the fact that many women can be unhappy in a marriage despite the fact that they are married yet. Just because they are in the marriage is not an indication that they are happy. And another point that can be mentioned here is that not every woman criticizing her husband is necessarily truthful. Because many times <coughs> a person criticizing another will be looking through the lens of dislike and magnifying the flaws and looking at them as bigger than they actually are. The Prophet ﷺ, addressing the women folk, he mentioned when he was describing to them the two reasons that have led to them becoming the majority of the people of the hellfire in the well-known hadith. One of the two reasons he mentioned for this phenomenon, that the women were the majority of the people of the hellfire, was that they are yakfurna al-ashif, that they are ungrateful to the ashif. Some of the people of knowledge mentioned this is the husband. So a man can be kind to her all their life, and then one time she will see something she hates from him, and so she will go and she will say to him, I have never seen any good from you. This is a reality. This is a particular fitna for the women folk that they must control in themselves if they hope to not be described with these two descriptions that are found in the women of the hellfire. This is one of those two descriptions that she will, due to her anger and due to the state that she enters when she is faced with something she dislikes, she will forget all the good that was and all the good that existed, and she will say, I've never seen any good from you. So this is to say, coming back to the main point, that not every time a woman criticizes her husband, the criticizing is actually true, because sometimes due to the hate and emotionality, or the chagrin or enmity, a woman may exaggerate. This is one point. The second point is that sometimes a woman will complain about a situation that another woman would view as totally fine. As found in the hadith regarding the two women of Ismail, the Prophet Ismail alayhi salatu wasalam, when he was visited by his father Ibrahim, the Prophet Ibrahim Khalil al-Rahman alayhi salatu wasalam. The first time his father visited him, he did not find him. He found a woman, she was the wife of Ismail. So Ibrahim alayhi salatu wasalam asked her, about their affair. He was inquiring about his son and his son's life and how uh, this woman's life was with, her, with his son, the Prophet Ismail, and she had nothing to mention but complaints. So Ibrahim والسلام, advised his son to divorce her. The next time around when he came, he found that he had divorced her and married another woman. So he asked her the same question, inquired about their affair. Now this woman despite the situation being identical and nothing having changed, she's still married to the same man, she's still living in the same situation. The Prophet Ismail, alayhi salatu wasalam, 
she had nothing to say but good in praising Allah Taala for her situation. And this is proof that the same situation may be viewed differently by different people. But some people may look at it with pessimism and some people may look at it with optimism. Some people may look at it with ungratefulness to Allah and some people may look at it with gratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Ibrahim alayhi salatu wasalam, when he saw this from her, he made dua for them. The dua of a prophet was one of the great accomplishments of that day for that woman. That Ibrahim alayhi salatu wasalam made the dua for her and her family. And likewise, Ibrahim advised his son to keep this woman. So not only did she obtain the dua of Ibrahim, but she also got a command from the father to the son that he should keep her. In other words, her marriage became more firm and stronger because now the son has more than his own personal reason to keep her. Also, the fact that he is pleasing his father, alayhi salatu wasalam, by keeping her. So all this to say that a woman's complaints about her husband's situation is not necessarily about the situation itself. It may simply be a reflection of her inner state, that she is not grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and that she is not looking at things with the eyes of gratitude. Whereas another woman who is not afflicted with these types of situations is going to uh, actually be grateful and be happy and be tranquil. All this to say that a woman's criticism is not always an indication of a true situation. Now this does not mean, and this leads to a third point, that a husband should neglect and ignore his wife's complaint, his wife's complaint. Because in reality, many of the sisters have true and genuine complaints about their husbands. And their husbands are indeed guilty of sins that the Prophet wasallam has disliked or even forbidden. And these things, if left untreated and unrectified, diminish this man's status, both as a husband and as a Muslim, primarily as a Muslim. And they reflect negatively on his Iman. The Prophet ﷺ made it very clear. He gave a principle and a rule, خيركم خيركم The best of you are the best to their family. The best of you, meaning a Muslim, are those who are the best, meaning the kindest, the gentlest, most generous, most caring to their families, meaning their wives. And then he said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, And I'm the best of you to my family, meaning to my wives. And this is very true, because the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, despite the large number of wives that he had, was so kind to them, sallallahu alayhi wa that they all loved him. But even when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala <coughs> commanded him to give them the option to be divorced and to receive handsome parting uh, um, gifts or alimony, if you wish, despite that Allah commanded him to give them that option, none of his women, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, opted for that. They all chose to stay with him despite the difficulty of the dunya matters, despite the meager living at times and the hunger that they faced. As we have many, many narrations describing, sometimes months would pass by and a fire would not be lit in the homes of Rasulullah meaning they had nothing to cook. They would have to eat things 
that did not require cooking. This is obviously an indication of يعني, uh, a lacking in means. Despite this, they all stayed with him وسلم, because life with him وسلم, was filled with joy, with love, with kind treatment that sufficed them all from the matters of the dunya and was deemed sufficient and made it easy to uh, deal with the difficulties of meager living. Another point that can be discussed regarding this hadith is the fact that the Messenger وسلم, is very near to his family and available for them, such that he would be willing to listen to Aisha and narrate such a long story. This is the man who is leading the nation. This is the man who is the general of the armies of Islam. This is the man who is the recipient of the revelation of the heavens. This is the man who is in the company of the angel Jibreel, Gabriel, alayhi salam. This is the man who has the responsibility to spread the religion of Allah all throughout earth. This is a man of the greatest status, the seal of the prophets. And yet, he had time for his young wife, Aisha, radiallahu anha, to sit there and listen to her as she goes on and tells him this long story that has few benefits for him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But the main benefit for him is what? Is to give his wife congenial, pleasant, happy company and gives her joy, set her heart with joy by listening to her, paying attention. And we know that that uh, he was paying attention, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, by the fact that at the conclusion of her narration, he said to her, "Kuntu ummi May I be to you like Abu Zar to Ummi Zar. Meaning, out of all these men, may Allah make me as precious to you as Abu Zar was to Ummi Zar. So he, sallallahu alayhi wa listened to the whole story, and he wanted to uh, share with his wife this point that he would love to be of such a status in, a, in her heart, sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa sallam. In some of the narrations it is mentioned that he said, however, I will not divorce you. However, I will not divorce you, meaning that this is the difference between me and him. I will not divorce you. And this, the scholars mention, is something that is preferred and liked to, to give a woman the assurance to know that she is a staple, that she is permanent, that there is no disruption in her family life, that she is going to uh, be in a situation permanently, a situation that she's happy in. However, Al-Hafal <coughs> Ibn Hajar, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, he mentioned the point of benefit that sometimes it is not preferred to mention these kinds of things in a situation where a man knows that his spouse is going to take things for granted if she knows this. Such that it becomes ill-advised to tell her this, it will lead her to having some shortcomings or fall into mistreatment of her husband and take him for granted. If this is the case, then this is not preferred. Then it will be considered good management of the household to refrain from saying things that will cause turmoil in the household. This all goes back to 
a person's understanding and the level of insight that they have as regards the personal situation at home. Um, also, another angle that can be covered regarding this particular point is the angle which is mentioned by some of the people of knowledge that it is he, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that's actually narrated the hadith. Now, the copy that we have in Bukhari, in Muslim, does not mention that he, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, is the narrator, rather that he is the listener. Uh, indicates that he's the listener. However, other versions of this narration mention that he, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, is the one that told Aisha the full story and then mentioned those closing words, may I be to you, like Abu Zara was to Umi Zara. Now, this, if it is indeed the case, indicates an additional point beyond that which we have already mentioned, and that is that he, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, would choose and take his speech in a way that is befitting for the listener. Aisha, as you recall, is the youngest of his wives. In fact, the age difference between them was vast. He, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, was uh, more than 40 years older than her. Salawatullahi wa salamu alayhi. He was more than 40 years her senior. And so, it was part of his wisdom and his tremendous character, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, to accommodate her and her age. And this is found and, and, and seen all throughout his sunnah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Such as in the well-known story, <coughs> when he went out to battle, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and Aisha accompanied him. She was part of <coughs> the caravan of the army. And so he said to the army, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, taqaddamu, move ahead of us. So he fell back with Aisha ta'ala anha and they let the army proceed without them. And when the coast was clear and there was nobody there but the two of them, he said, come on, I want to race you. So they raced. They got on foot and they ran together. And Aisha ta'ala anha, she won that race. She was young and she was still thin and light of weight. Years later, it so happened that Aisha anha was again traveling with the Messenger on one of his battles. But now she had become fleshy, she had gained some weight. So he وسلم, said to the army, proceed, move ahead. So when they had moved ahead and it was just him and her, they got on foot and he said to her, Come on, let's race. So they raced. And this time he won the race, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. They ran together and he Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam came out ahead. So then he said to her, Aisha, this one is in return for that one. So he Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was a very pleasant company for his wife and very joyous company for her despite the age difference. In addition to the fact that he Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam used to accommodate her aid, accommodate her needs. He would even start to let her watch the, the Abyssinians, as they played with their spears, uh, and, and she would hide behind them and look from behind his shoulders, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and he would stand for a long time to let her look, you know, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, to accommodate her, you know, different little things here and there, showing her care and showing her concern, and uh, joking with her, and the likes of these things, well known and established in his sunnah. So this is an additional point that can be extracted from this hadith, how a man should be with his family, attentive and listening 
giving them good company and um, being joyous with them and listening to whatever they want to share with him. Now a point may be raised here regarding the matter of these complaints and his backbiting. What is the ruling of backbiting? Backbiting in Islam to speak about someone truthfully regarding that which is is found in them, but they dislike that it be spoken about, this is forbidden in Islam. If a person is known to, for example, to be greedy, and it is a fact that they are greedy, and you say about them that they are greedy, this is backbiting. To mention your brother or your sister in Islam with that which is true, and that which they dislike being said about them, this is considered backbiting. So, these women, at best, were backbiting their husbands. And as we know, this is one of the major sins. So, what is the ruling here regarding this being narrated? The answer is that there was no need for the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, to speak about this. Because he was not present when these women were speaking. And what is being discussed here is the narration of what they said, not an analysis of it. So, if he, sallallahu was present when they said this, then there is a duty to talk about the sin and to stop the sin from recurring. But given that this is something that happened when he was not present, وسلم, this argument cannot be made that he should have said some, something about it, sallallahu alayhi wa Rather, this is something that happened already and had transpired and none of the people involved and concerned were present. So there is no reason to make a comment about this particular aspect of the matter. And this goes back to the rule that the person narrating an affair does not necessarily condone its contents. They are just a narrator. Now, <clears throat> with regard to the, the contents of um, these women's statements about their husbands, we hope, inshallah, in a follow-up session that we are going to take some specific points that will guide the brothers and the sisters towards a more harmonious family life and talk about some of the traits of men that are desirable and would lead to a happy marriage and a woman feeling satisfied and some of the traits that would lead to lack of harmony and unhappiness in a marriage and traits that in reality disqualify a person if they were come if they were to come and propose seeking the hand of a woman in marriage. We will start right here by the permission of Allah Tabaraka Ta'ala. We ask Allah to accept from us that which we have engaged in of discussing the prophetic narrations and their benefits and listening to that. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless this for us and to hold it for us and reward us for it until the Day of Judgment. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant success to all those who participated by listening or attending or spreading this 
And likewise, may Allah reward lavishly the organizers and put this on the scales of good deeds under their judgment. Wallahu alam. Wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabina Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.